Hello and welcome to the HJ Chatroom. My name is Brian Kipping. I'm the Head of Investment Sales. Back in 2017, we were privileged to welcome Jesper Cole as our guest speaker for a real estate seminar that was held at the Tokyo American Club. Well, today I'm delighted to welcome Jesper as our special guest for a special feature on the HJ Chatroom about the Japan economy. Jesper, how are you? Welcome, it's lovely to see you. No, thank you for having me. Looking forward to our discussion. Thank you. For those viewers who are not familiar with Jesper Cole, would you mind providing a brief introduction? Yeah, it's very straightforward. I'm originally from Germany, educated in the United States, and I have been stuck in Japan since 1985. I came as a PhD student and uh, very quickly ended up in finance, working as the chief economist for various uh, bulge bracket investment bank, uh, you know, was the head of research for uh, JP Morgan. And over the last four or five years, I've run my own independent investment company here in Japan. Thank you. If you don't mind, we'll dive straight into the questions. And I guess we're going to start off with the obvious one. During this period of COVID, in your opinion, how has the Japan economy performed? I think Japan's economy over the last couple of years has done extremely well during this COVID crisis. And look, you've got to start at the big picture mm. and just don't forget that this country, Japan, despite COVID, continues to be the world's largest creditor country, continues to run very, very large current account surpluses. And yes, of course, the overall economy took the usual hits, mm. right, which happened mm. around the world. But in terms of the speed of the recovery, um, you know, it is actually very strong. Let me give mm. you one concrete example. When you look at corporate profits, they actually have already recovered beyond the level that they were before the COVID pandemic uh, struck. Mm. And at the same time, mm. you also find that unlike, for example, in the United States, you find that here the threat of consumer price inflation, which is undermining the purchasing power of the people, the purchasing power of Mr. and Mrs. Watanabe, mm. as you know very well, yeah. here in Japan, in terms of the consumer price level, basically things are remarkably stable. Mm. So the bottom line is the purchasing power of the people here in Japan continues to be very, very strong despite the pandemic crisis. Interesting. I guess that that's a leader into my next question. Given the record amount of Bank of Japan stimulus, do you see Japan heading into an inflationary environment? And if the answer to that is yes, you know, what are the best ways for an investor to protect their purchasing power? It's very interesting because I think that we need to differentiate between consumer prices mm. and uh, the level of asset prices. Mm. And the short answer is on the asset price side, I actually do think that Japan has entered already a period of long structural upside in inflation. And you yep. can see this yep. because you're seeing real estate prices, mm. right? not just here in Tokyo, but also in some of the regions of Japan mm. for the first time in one generation actually beginning to increase. Against that, when you look at consumer prices, right? Yep. you've got yeah. to remember one thing. This is a government in Japan 
irrespective of who is the prime minister, mm. this is a government in Japan that will actually look out for your interests. So for example, yep. healthcare costs continue yeah. to be cut yep. rather than just being allowed to increase, which is unfortunately what we're seeing in the United States yeah. of America. Yeah. So yeah. from that perspective, Mr. and Mrs. Watanabe, the Japanese consumer, is actually in an excellent position because the purchasing power of savings mm. continues to be stable while asset prices are actually gradually increasing. And I think from that perspective, Japan is actually in a fantastic position and offers a great deal of investment opportunities. Interesting. No, thank you very much for that. The next couple of questions what I have got is going back to the 2017 seminar. Ah. And so if we consider the two questions that you helped to answer at that seminar was in regards to demand and interest rates. Right. So let me start off with interest rates. At the time you forecasted that the Bank of Japan would not be raising rates for two years. Actually, they haven't raised rates for four years. And obviously given the situation that we have with COVID at the moment, they're unlikely to raise rates in the short term. Would you agree? I think that, you know, there's no question about the short term, but I mm. think that even over the next, you know, three to four years, mm. I think that the risk of the Bank of Japan actually increasing the cost of debt, mm. increasing the cost to borrow is very, very slim. Mm. And the reason for that is really twofold. It is that inflation in Japan is actually controlled through other measures mm -hmm. rather than just monetary policy. I mentioned healthcare costs, yep. look at telecommunication costs, mm. where for example, the government again is intervening and it's not price controls, but is basically making sure that the level of competition continues to work in favor of the Japanese people's purchasing yep. power yep. rather than just the profitability of mm. corporations. So, Interest rates, the answer is very easy. Um, you know, no interest rates uh, hike coming uh, in the foreseeable future yep. over the next three to four years. The demand side, hmm. what is remarkable is that first and foremost, Japan is actually a huge beneficiary of the new rivalry between the United States and the People's Republic of China, yep. where yep. you yep. have effectively the American government, mm. you know, ordering or encouraging American companies to restructure their supply chain yep. away from Chinese suppliers. Now, what mm. does that mean? Who makes the machines that make machines? Yeah. Who equips the factories with the latest robotics equipment? Yeah. That's Japan. So yeah. on the demand side, ironically, Japan is actually benefiting from, dare I say, the new Cold War that is out there. <laughs> on the domestic side, what is very, very interesting is that the uh, business formation mm. and business investment here in Japan yep. is actually accelerating mm. very, very nicely. So you've got the leading companies of Japan yep. actually rediscovering mm. the Japanese archipelago as a base for production, as a base for logistics, as a base for a research center. So I think that on the demand side, that also mm. the outlook for Japan is actually very encouraging. Well, I guess also as well, just to highlight or re-emphasize, shall I say, on the demand side, again, going back to the seminar, you know, if we, if we remember when you spoke about the demand side, 
we had at that time, there was comments from your good self just in regards to students graduating university with full-time employment. Equally at the time, we had an increase of wages across the population that was driving higher purchasing power. The fact of the matter is so in Japan that we are experiencing and will continue to experience a decrease in population. So I guess the focus on wage growth, would you not expect the wage growth to be accelerating at a faster pace to drive you know, even higher growth for purchasing power? No, and that's exactly the key issue. And this ultimately does go back mm. to the overall investment opportunity here in Japan in general, the real estate market in particular. I believe that Japan is in a demographic sweet spot mm. um, that in fact, Japan is going to be one of the very few advanced industrialized economies where we are going to see the rise of a new middle class. Mm. And this is interesting, right? This new middle class, which really stems from the fact that demand and supply, yep. right? You've got a shrinkage of people graduating from university. Mm. As a result of that, you find that leading companies, companies like Hitachi, companies like Toyota, companies like the mm. Mizuho, are now offering better contracts to their new employees. And it's very interesting, and you can see this in the chart, you actually see that for the first time in one generation, full-time employment is actually growing. Yep. And what's exciting, yep. even over the last year and a half during the pandemic, Yes, you did see an increase in unemployment, mm. but you see that full-time employment actually continued to grow. Yep. And so this demographic sweet spot that Japan is in, mm. precisely because, yes, if you're a 23, 24, 25-year-old Japanese, right, you're not competing against a billion Chinese, against a billion yeah. Indians. Yeah. And as a result of that, the quality of contracts is starting to improve, you get yep. full-time employment contracts, which means that you've got access to credit. Mm. And mm. that's, of course, where the real estate market yep. benefits. Yep. Because yeah. I need you know, to become a first-time real estate investor. Yeah. What do I need? I need some job security, yeah. right? Yeah. And I need access to credit. Yeah. And both of this is happening right now. And as a result of that, I think that you know, this rise of a new middle class mm. is exactly why Japan's residential property market, I think, is one of the greater investments in real estate investments actually around the world. Yeah, I didn't need to plug in for that. So thank you very much. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> My last question going back to the seminar was at that time, Governor Koike had just been appointed. And I guess that there was great hope at that time for reform, special economic zones yeah. being created to drive additional growth. Um, unfortunately, and I guess on the surface of things, we haven't seen the pace of reform take place. So I guess to some degree, do you still see that as an area of potential growth? Do you still see that we are going to have reforms, special economic zones take place? What are your thoughts on that? It's, it's so interesting, right? Because I mean, Japan very much has this pendulum swinging, mm. right? Of yes, there needs to be more deregulation. No, we need to have higher regulations. You know, it sort of goes back and forth, right? Yep. And yep. four or five years ago, there was a definite focus 
on deregulation, on special economic mm. zones. And there's no question that over the last couple of years, this pendulum has swung back. Yep. And particularly now that there is this focus on national security concerns, yeah, right? Yeah, that's fair enough. That yep. actually empowers the bureaucrats, right? Mm. To even be more scrupulous, right? Mm. Uh, in mm. terms of implementing rules and regulations. But the key question as an investor yep. that you've got to ask yourself, right? Is the private sector, so mm. the business community in Japan, whether they're large companies or whether they're small companies, are they actually competitive? Yeah. Are they reorganizing? Mm. And here is what's exciting. And to some extent, COVID has been a big catalyst yeah. for a huge increase mm. in the corporate metabolism. Yeah. You see a record number of M&A activity mm. in the domestic market. You see even record amounts of foreign investments, yeah. right? Yeah. Coming into Japan, buying Japanese companies, yeah. most recently PayPal, right, right. committing more than $2 billion, right? Into a made in Japan startup company. Yeah. So it's incredible to see that the metabolism in Japan amongst the corporate world has actually picked up. That means that you will have better opportunities in the employment market, yep. right? Because yep. everybody needs to compete. That means that you will have rising purchasing power of the younger generation. Yep. That means that, you know, the quality or the quest for higher mm. quality of life, mm. of higher quality of where do I live? Yep. All of that, I think, is actually right now on an excellent trajectory to mm. provide rising capital returns you know yep. over the foreseeable future no thank you for that and i guess that just in terms of the last question what i've got and you've helped to answer part of that at least anyhow but when you consider the outlook for japan over the next five years be very interested to get your opinion there i guess just to add to that question obviously we've gone through the olympics now and you know in your impression whether there's likely to be an overhang on the economy as a result of the Olympics. And lastly, obviously we have Suga-san who's decided not to, uh, <laughs> not to go forward for re-election. What impact that may or may not have on the economy as well. So I'd really appreciate your response to that. Yeah, I think, number first of all, I think, you know, in terms of the Olympic overhang, there's mm. really very, very little, right, mm. uh, that you've got. I think if you have to point to some imbalances, you know, mm. in the overall system here, I mean, there's a bit of a worry in commercial office space, yeah. where mm. in commercial office space, there appears to be a new glut of supply developing, while demand is obviously under a huge cloud mm. because nobody quite knows yeah. what the life work and the telecommute versus office yes. balance yes. is going to be. So for my money, I think I would not really be too excited about office uh, uh, investment opportunities. Yep. But again, in terms of the quality of life, the growth of the new middle class, providing a strong structural yep. tailwind. Yep. And yep. this is the key issue, because you and I, we can have a long debate mm. about what happens next quarter, what happens over the mm. next year, mm. which is always good and fun. And as a stock market investor, yep. that's something that's very relevant, yes. right? Yep. But for a real estate investment, 
it really is the structural trend that matters. Yes. It's the structural trend where you're going to get the highest rates of return. Yep. And that's where this growth of a new middle class, where the demographic sweet spot in Japan, mm. in terms of, yes, supply of labor versus demand of labor, that's actually going to be a structural positive yep. for the purchasing power of Japanese employees. And that's where the driver yep. for um, you know a positive structural upcycle yep. in residential property actually comes from. Yep. No, thank you for that. And and look, I, I guess from my perspective, Jesper, you know, there's a lot of detail to take on board in terms of just your observations there, but I want to take the opportunity of thanking you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure again to welcome you back and to hear your current update as well. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I hope that maybe we can have, you know, a live dinner presentation uh, with your groups of friends and investors. Uh, it would be a pleasure to actually meet face to face, to meet in person and actually have some fun and a real discussion. Thank, thank you very you. much for thank having Thank you very me. much. Thank you, Jesper.